Hello and welcome to Your Little Sister's Productions Missed Opportunities. We are continuing on with our Christmas theme. Today we are doing Netflix original Jingle Jangle A Christmas Journey. Yes, Jingle Jangle, which we watched this whole movie. Who is named Jingle? It's just Jangle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like his, like it goes through all the different names. Like it shows his wife's name is Joanna, his name's Jeronicus, Jessica, Journey, like. But no jingle. No one is named jingle. They just wanted it like jingle bells, but jingle jangle because their last name's jingle. And then they have like a Christmas journey underneath, like a little. And it doesn't even have anything to do with Christmas. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and start with this. We'll uh, do a summary of kind of what happens. Um, do you want to do the summary? So basically, the summary is that there is this great inventor named Jeronicus Jangle, and he invented these amazing, wonderful things. And one day. The final ingredient for his latest and greatest invention comes in and he's like, this is going to be the best thing ever, kids, in the whole world. Every kid is going to have one. We'll put our name on the map. And it gets stolen by his apprentice, the invention, and his entire book of inventions. And he basically loses the magic that he had before to be able to make all these great inventions. Eventually his wife also passes away and his daughter leaves home and he becomes the owner of a pawn shop instead of a, an invention shop. His granddaughter, of course, hearing her mother's stories about how the shop used to be and her grandfather being this great inventor, she's a really good inventor herself. She's really interested in it. So she forges a letter to go to her grandpa's for Chris, over Christmas to see the shop and uh, meets another young employee named Edison, Edison, named Edison, who works for her grandfather, and they basically find this invention that does work, but the only reason that hasn't worked for her grandfather, Geronicus, is because he stopped believing in himself. So, just to clarify, in this movie, it's a lot of science mixed with magic and be- magic and belief. It's more magic and it's belief. It's more magic than belief. Than, <laughs> it's more magic and belief than, like, math and science. But they do do equations. But some of their equations were, like, it's the circumference of spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. So they find this invention. They get it to work. But then the, the grandfather comes up and it doesn't work. But the rival, the one who stole the invention and the whole book of all the other inventions years ago, has run out of the book. He's come to the end. He has no more. So he decides to spy on Geronicus's store, sees the invention work, and decides to once again steal the invention. He comes, he steals it, the children go on this crazy adventure and they get it back. And then the ending happens where the police come and they're like, you stole it from this guy who's the inventor. And she's like, no, he stole it from us. They have proof. That man, who's the apprentice, whose name is Gustav. Gustafsson? Gustafsson? I'm really... Gustafsson? It's it's spelled G-U-S-T-A-F-S-O-N. Gustafsson is how it's spelled. Gustafsson. Yeah, because it was... They definitely say, like, Gus... (laughs) Gustafsson. Gustafsson. Yeah. That's how it's spelled. G-U-S-T-A-F, like Frank, S-O-N. Gustafsson. Whatever. Anyway, really <laughs> cool guy. name, but I'm not great at pronouncing it, and I apologize. So he's the bad guy. He was the apprentice who stole it. He realizes at the end that um, he had made a wrong decision all these years, um, and he goes to prison for it, and it ends happy with Geronicus being able to invent again, and his daughter and granddaughter um, also helping him with inventions and them being a happy family. 
and it's set up in a frame story. I forgot it was a frame story, actually. Yeah. It's set up in a frame story. Like Princess Bride, it's um, a couple little, well, except instead of one kid, it's two kids, and their grandmother is reading a, a book about Geronicus Jangle. Yeah. And at the end, you find out that the grandmother is the little granddaughter in the book, the one who finds the invention and then steals it back from the bad guy. So it's Journey, the granddaughter, telling the frame story. Yeah. Which no one was surprised by. No. <laughs> I knew it was her. <laughs> it wasn't. That was not a shocking twist or anything. None of it was really a shocking. There was no shocking twist. As soon as you meet the um, apprentice, you're like, oh, I wonder if he's going to be the bad guy. Like, <laughs> gee, I wonder. Um, and then at, at the beginning, I was like, well, obviously, it's either going to be it's going to be the daughter or the wife or, you know, and then it was like, oh, well, it's the granddaughter. So not a lot of revolutionary plot there, but um, it was fun. I think it was it's really stylized and very pretty. And I like that about it. The costuming is fantastic. I like it's kind of the era of Christmas Carol, but. Nah. whimsical like they, yeah. they added a lot more color a lot more stylization to it and i really really like it it's a little it's not steamville yeah it's yeah. like whoville it's meets... like whoville meets a little steampunk style but because she has like gears has and they has the boot the victorian sleeves and stuff but then it's like also christmas carol <laughs> yeah like it's all the, those together with the bonnets and the the big poofy dresses and stuff so. i really the styling of this movie was absolutely fantastic i loved especially the beginning the two little children and the grandmother that was the first note i wrote down was i love their costumes yeah i would wear everything they're wearing <laughs> today yeah so the costuming was really good the stylization i like things that are stylized i've always been a fan i don't I don't know if we've talked about this before because we haven't really done stylized movies, but I really do like stylized movies. I love stylized fashion and stuff. Um, not necessarily like Tim Burton. I love that Tim Burton is stylized, but I don't necessarily love his style <laughs> of stylization. So it can go either way. But I do love the style. I thought it was very good. Um, the missed opportunities of this story. So this is a musical and they have a lot of musical numbers. Um, the missed opportunities that we found the very first one being the beginning. So like we said, it's a frame story. So we meet these two kids and they're staring into a fire and the little girl sees magic figures and the mm -hmm. boy doesn't. And so this grandma opens this book and the book has got gears and all this stuff. And the pages like pop up and show these little gear um, clockwork type people, right? And it's really cool how it pops up. Yeah, and so we go into this clockwork type uh, story, and we see <clears throat> Geronicus, and we see um, his wife and his story, and him growing up from humble beginnings, and he has just like a little cart, then he has kind of a stand, and then he's got a big store, and then it goes into real people. <laughs> And the real people, you know, talk and introduce themselves and we see everybody, we see his apprentice and his machine doesn't work and we meet him and then we meet Geronicus and he's so, um, just joyous and jumping around and happy. And then he gets this package that is going to change his life and he sings this whole, 
huge musical number. Which that I is... have to interject really quickly while we're here about singing the musical number. I never saw any previews for this movie. I just saw the title on Netflix and thought it looked really cute. about Because I saw, like, I read the description that was about an adventure and stuff. Clearly, I didn't read the genre. So when they burst into the song, I was like, wait, is this a musical? <laughs> In case you didn't know, it's a musical. <laughs> but it's a real musical. It's not like, like that a... Christmas one that we did before the Cinderella one. They had, it... like, three songs. Yeah. <laughs> one of them was musical style. This one is literally... it. It is, in fact, a musical. Choreographed dancing, everyone knows the words. Yes. The whole thing. The whole thing. It, it's a musical. Um, so this he has this big song and dance about. He finally gets this package, but... Um, and then he talks about, like, you know, all of his days of struggling are over because this package has arrived and the world's going to change. And it's a very long musical number, I just have to add. <laughs> like, it takes a long time. Um, and then... And then... Um, he goes and he makes this little, um, what are they called? Matador? Yeah, it's a little matador. Anyway, he makes this little matador, um, clockwork type gears doll that comes to life and has a personality and <clears throat> he finally got the, the final ingredient, which is like some mixture of magic <laughs> that brings him to life. And he wants to mass produce it and he's so happy and he brings his apprentice up and his apprentice is trying to get his attention for the, um, to help him with his own invention. And he, it's this whirly twirly thing that's a ball that kind of spins in the air and it's not working for some reason. And he wants his boss to look at it and his boss is like, okay, I'll do it tomorrow, fix this and this. And then once you fix that, I'll look at it tomorrow. And then they leave the apprentice with this doll that they've just brought to life and they go off and have a celebration and that's when he steals the doll and runs away and then um you see um what's his name the main guy Geronicus. I'm like it, it says, says it a thousand times but it I can does never say it well I put except in the <clears throat> middle of the movie because in the middle of the movie just really quickly, everyone calls him Jay or Jerry, like a shortened version of Geronicus, and he says over and over again, why won't anyone call me by my name? But they, at the beginning, it is said a lot at the very beginning, yeah. and at the end, but in the middle, it's yeah. a lot of Jay and Jerry, and that's not my name. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Geronicus, um, he comes back up, and the the little doll and the apprentice have a whole song and dance number, and then they leave. And so Dronicus comes up and he's like, we can't celebrate without you. And he has a gift for the apprentice and everything. But then the apprentice leaves. And so, and then he runs out and he's like running down the street. Where did he go? Gus, Gus. And he like can't find him. He's freaking out. I mean, who wouldn't be? Because he literally sang a whole song about how this was going to change their entire life. Yeah. He literally gave things away in his shop. He's like, just take it. Take this. Take that. Everyone leaves with something. He wasn't even having to buy anything because he was so convinced that this little alive Matador doll would be the only thing he needed to sell from then on out. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's a doll that's alive. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> it is pretty impressive, but I was also thinking of every horror movie ever. That right. would <laughs> I would not want this doll. <laughs> the horror movies don't exist in this world, but this doll might have started those. We'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, so then we we go back after that. After he is betrayed and his uh, friend leaves, we go back 
<clears throat> to the clockwork people, you know, like the people from the book and the pages turning and stuff. And, and this is after we've had two musical numbers, right? And this mm-hmm. a whole lot of story has happened already. And we've met these characters and we see how cute they are together. Well, it goes back into the, the clockwork people and we see, you know, the wife dies and he goes into a depression and he can't work anymore and his magic fingers don't work anymore. And then he sends his daughter away and she just leaves <clears throat> finally. And, um, and it goes into that. And then it comes back into real people 30 years later and we meet Geronicus and he's this old man and <clears throat> this lady comes in and is very um, aggressively like hitting on him. Very aggressively. Which one of us, so really quick, Taya, who do you think is more of an aggressive flirt, you or me? You see me flirt. You, you saw the spark of Jonathan. <laughs> she was there the night I met my husband. It's actually because of her I met my husband. <laughs> I take full credit. <laughs> As you should. You're the reason. Um, so I'm just curious. Who do you think is a bigger flirt, you or me? I think I probably flirt more, but I think you flirt more aggressively. She was aggressive for me. Yeah. And when we say, like, I flirt aggressively, I have no problem breaking the touch bear, touching their arm and laugh. Like, when I they tell a joke, I'll touch their arm and be like, oh, my gosh, that's so funny. Like, that's always how I broke the touch barrier. I'm, like, okay to hold hands on a first date. I've done that a lot. She was, like, full on, like, leaning in and, like, wanting to just have like snuggle up in his on his chest and i'm just like well and she like wouldn't give him his letters and was like teasing him with like yeah she's like leaning and like holding them and waving them around and like she got herself in a hold if you've ever seen white christmas that first number that danny k dances with the blonde chick i can't remember their characters names they dance and at the end like they have a hold and the sister comes out and is like what are you two doing that's like the hold that she gets her but the thing that makes it weird is Geronicus is not okay with it like yeah. she gets herself in this hold she puts his arms are all the way around her in a hug where they're both facing forward so it's like a back hug which is super fun and cute when you're both okay with it <laughs> but like she's like forcing his arms around her yeah like so she's very aggressive and the whole thing just kind of shocks you because you just saw him with his perfect little wife and she was adorable and they were so happy together and like the only thing we had from the transition was the little clockwork people and then it went straight into him being an old man and you kind of hear throughout the thing that it's been 30 years and so it's like to to the characters yes it's been 30 years he's been a widower for 30 years but for us, the audience, it was like, it just happened, you know? And so it was very aggressive and it was very weird to have one to like, and go from this type of story to this type of story and this character to this character, because Geronicus is a completely different character. He's a very, I really enjoyed his character. He kind of mumbles to himself all the time. He's always kind of talking to himself and he's hilarious. Like he is really funny. I really liked him. But he was nothing like the guy we had just met, you know, the like breaking out into song and, you know, laughing and talking loud and giving away free stuff. Like he was nothing like that. And mm-hmm. so it was very jarring. It was. It was kind of like I I compared it a little bit to Christmas Carol 
the character of Scrooge, where you meet him and he's an old man and he's kind of grumpy. Well, not kind of. Scrooge is very grumpy. Geronicus is only kind of. But <laughs> Scrooge is very mean, very grumpy, and that's how we meet him and that's how we know him for a long time. And then through the ghost's past, and of course we go and we see his past self and everything, and it's not as jarring because it's not jarring to go from this is how you are now, and this is a flashback to how you became what you are now. Yeah. You used to be this, and now you're this. That's a lot less jarring than if we had met Scrooge as a young man when he loved Christmas and was happy and was giving, and then suddenly it's like, and 30 years later, and all of a sudden, I mean, he's kicking dogs and like yeah. yelling at people and saying, well, then they should die and decrease the surplus population. That's very jarring. Yeah. So I was saying like they could have done a Scrooge situation with Geronicus's character where we have flashbacks. I mean, his daughter is in the movie. That's a great like avenue path to that and he has a song where they show flashbacks yeah of him so i don't know why the beginning was just way too long really like honestly they could have cut it so much they could have cut the first two songs like that big musical number was trying really hard to be the greatest showman and it wasn't oh my goodness it was so yeah. it was it was the same st- style everything yeah. as the greatest showman and it was just trying too hard and it didn't make any sense because it's talking about how um, he's no the struggle longer... Struggle <clears throat> is over. Yeah. Like, no more struggling life. And it was like, wait, we, we saw you struggle and now you're done. Like, you have a, your own shop. So the struggle was he started as an inventor. He started with, like, a little cart somewhere and then he moved on to, like, a, a permanent stand. And then eventually he had a... Sh- and it's a two-story shop. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a huge... massive. It is, like, Fred and George Weasley's... Uh, House of Weasel, or whatever it's called. Wizards, Weasel. Wizarding Weezes? Something like that. <laughs> I'm a big Harry Potter fan, but or like, it sound like I Mr. Am right Emporium's now. one, like Mr. McCorium's Wonder Emporium, whatever. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that movie. Well, it's, it's a guy, it's exactly, the story is different, but like, it's exactly the same type of thing where there's just magic and toys and but it's a two massive levels. Two yeah. le- it's literally, it looked like the opening scene looked like the scene from Harry Potter when they go in and it's Fred and George's shop. There's tons of people in there. It's two stories. People are <laughs> buying things left and right. Like, you, not that you don't struggle when you own a store. We but, understand that. But like, he's established, it's said in the introduction that he was the most well-known inventor in the world yeah like he was famous and like everybody came to him and from all over the world to see his invention so it's not that you don't struggle it's that like the struggle of getting somewhere where you're you're making steady income where you're known where you're able to do what you love consistently that part is over so if he if he wanted a different type of life where he never had to make anything again and the struggle was i never have to think again that makes sense, but he had a whole book of other inventions he was working on at the same time. Yeah, well, and he always wanted to be an inventor. Like, he wanted to do it, so it didn't it didn't make sense. And so it's like, you can just cut that song. Just, just take it out. And then the storyline with the bad guy and the apprentice stealing the little toy, and, the, well, the toy kind of convinces him to steal him. And that all could have been done in the clockwork people. Like, they could have just cut down... They, they, had too much story and they could have just cut it down like very easily cut it down all of it should have been done with the clockwork people and then we met um geronicus as an adult like as an old man older yeah and if they wanted to have a flashback to that first day fine do that later but that actually would have been a really nice i would have liked the flashback better yeah 
because now here, and we compared it to Greatest Showman. I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this, and I'm sorry. This is Laura, not Taya. You need someone <laughs> to direct your hate. It's me. I don't like the music in Greatest Showman. And I said that quietly. I don't like the music in Greatest Showman. I said it. I'm not a fan of it. Maybe there are other people out there who feel the same. But I just... So the fact that this kind of become the new norm of how musicals are being made today kind of makes me sad because I... I don't know. I like older musicals. Well, I and it's such, honestly like you it's have like to. If you follow the same formula as everyone else, it feels the same, and so it doesn't feel. You don't stand out. He doesn't make a mark. Like Hamilton came along, and it stands out because it's what other musicals like Hamilton. But Hamilton is not a sustainable style of musical. Um, For Hamilton, it is, but like outside yeah, of Hamilton, yeah, like it's not a sustainable style. Like yeah. it itself is going to be, yeah, it's going to it's going to sustain. <laughs> it's great, but, but outside of but Hamilton, out, yeah, like you can't do that style again and have it be as successful as Hamilton. And for me personally, I know The Greatest Showman blew up and it was like successful in the world, but for me, it's not a sustainable because I didn't like it. And so the fact that now a lot more musicals are coming out and trying to copy Greatest Showman's success, which I understand, just kind of makes me sad. I'm like... Just... But I, but you have to understand, like, all musicals, they kind of go by decades. Because if you watch a musical from, like, the 40s, it's not going to be the same as a musical from the 60s. Yeah, they're it's, different. It's a very different style. And so, like, every decade has its different style. And, like, yeah. you have to think, like, Greatest Showman is just this decade. Like, a decade before, it was the high school musical style. High school musical style... Uh brought you have to give props to high school music i know but i don't like it you don't have you even seen it yes i've seen it and my high school did the musical of it oh and a lot of my friends were in it like and i went and i good in my i was probably like the one team like i was in the age demographic for high school musical all my friends were obsessed with it and i was in california with family and they had two daughters one who was like maybe my age maybe a year older and another who was like 10, 9, 10, 11, 9. I think she was 9. And I was in the middle. And the older one was like, I want to watch High School Musical. And the other one was like, I want to watch Treasure Planet. And I was like, put me to Treasure Planet room. Put me in that room. <laughs> and they literally couldn't believe. They're like, but you're like the perfect age. You're like 12. No, I want Treasure Planet. <laughs> that movie. I, I, I really <laughs> didn't like Treasure Planet. <laughs> I would watch it over <laughs> High School Musical, Taya. I wouldn't. I okay, so like... Even if you don't like High School Musical, you have to understand what High School Musical did. Like, yeah, I know. musicals were lame and out of style, and nobody wanted to watch them. And Disney even stopped making musicals. Like, Mulan was one of the last ones that they made a musical. And then it started going into Emperor's New Groove and Brother Bear and Tarzan. Where... Which were like kind, there weren't musicals, but they had iconic music. Tied yeah, they, to they them. were given one person. It was Sting or uh, Phil Collins who did the entire thing and they did music specifically for it and they did yeah. the score for it through music that they made through songs which is that like they a did. big debate in the world is tarzan a musical or is it not because the characters don't sing but it has like it has one song where they like do up <laughs> yeah and that's it and and so that's kind of the thing it's like the characters don't sing but there is music in it and music is a very big part of that so disney who made their career off musicals stopped making musicals because that's how bad musicals were like that seen as they were seen as high school musical comes along i know and boom i know boom (laughs) (laughs) 
there suddenly is- everything is a musical now. Suddenly musicals are cool. Suddenly everybody, like, all of the Disney movies after that were music. Like, Cheetah Girls came out, and Cheetah yeah. Girls was a musical, but it was a stage musical. So the yeah. characters were performing anytime they were singing. Yeah. They didn't break out into song. Yeah. High School Musical comes out, blows up. Cheetah Girls 2, full-on musical where they're yeah. singing in the streets and, you know, like, and... and it, did a, it, it did a lot of good, and it also turned... TV shows, TV shows that were not musicals, because, of course, we got Glee and then we got Crazy Ex-Girlfriend who were, like, musical TV shows, but TV shows that were just regular old TV shows did musical episodes. Yeah. Like, so, I... Oh. Seventh Heaven did Thank it. Thank you. I was trying... I'm like, I know they Buffy exist. the Vampires did it. Buffy, but didn't Buffy do it before High School Musical? No. Oh, it was after? Okay, mm-hmm. Buffy the Vampire, which actually, that musical episode is really good. I like the music in Buffy. <laughs> so, it's... But it, it, it kicked off even non-musical things tried to enter that area. Well, and if you look, I mean... Like Toy Story, like Pixar didn't do musicals either. No, they do the same iconic music, but yeah. But like you, after that, you have Frozen, and you like like if it wasn't for High School Musical, we wouldn't have Let It Go. You wouldn't have Moana. You like they wouldn't have done that. <laughs> I'm trying. We we need to. Do, we are going to someday do Frozen and Frozen Two. I promise you, because we have thoughts. And so when she said you wouldn't have <laughs> Let It Go, I literally was like, would that be so bad? <laughs> But you also I don't have know to if understand. we can do Frozen. We might. It might be an hour-long podcast on, like, the first five minutes. <laughs> we'll just do it in parts. But yeah. here's the thing. <laughs> you also have to understand, one of the reasons I'm against that is I worked at a children's music camp the summer after Frozen came out. Ooh, a children's music camp <laughs> the summer after Frozen. <laughs> and the thing is, we switched every, I think it was every week had, like, a theme and so typically at that music camp, we would do different songs every week. And like kids, would, some kids would stay the whole summer and other kids would just join the week that they liked the theme, right? But Let It Go was the whole summer because it was so popular. <laughs> and every single group of kids was singing Let It Go constantly. Yeah. I'm so, okay with in the world without Let It Go. I think, yeah. So I'm just saying that we go through phases with musicals. There's different styles of musicals. And right now, Greatest Showman has kicked off the, like, it went from High School Musical, now it's Greatest Showman, which, ironically, they both have Zac Efron in them. But... Yes, they do. But Greatest Showman is the style right now. Like, anything that's going to be made around here is going to be in the style of Greatest Showman. Which is sad. I actually like Greatest Showman. There, like, I can tell you there's a lot of plot problems, the CGI, and why they dubbed uh, Tom Thumb's voice. I don't understand (laughs) <laughs> they made some weird choices, but I do like the music in it. They're... I do like that one song, This Is Me, and that singer, the the woman who sings it. I love that song. My problem with it is the our place... next point is the placement of it. So we won't talk about Greatest Showman placement. That is for another, that's for another podcast episode. We'll do Greatest Showman as well in the future. We have a lot of plans, you guys. <laughs> Stick around. Stick around for Greatest Showman <laughs> and Frozen 1 and Frozen 2, possibly in parts. But <laughs> but like one of our gripes with Greatest Showman, this style of musical, we feel like there's a problem with the placement of the, not the songs themselves, but the placement of where the songs go in order of the movie. Yes. For instance, like we talked about, it's very jarring. 
for us to meet this new woman that is a love interest after we just watched his wife die, even though it's been 30 years for the character. It feels it's three minutes for us. <laughs> yeah. So it's, and then it you, feels rude. It feels rude. And then you have she has a song and she sings about how she needs him to be happy and to smile and and all this stuff. And it's a really nice song. And the lady has an awesome voice and the choreography My, yeah. is fun. She has my favorite voice in the whole movie. My issue with it is that the placement of it, it's horrible. It should have been later. It should have been later. If it had taken place, like, in the middle of the movie as opposed to this part, it would have been so much better and I would have liked her. Because the way that they did it, I don't like her at all. <laughs> like, finally yeah. at the end when he, like, is sweet and, like, does the mistletoe thing, I was like okay <laughs> i'll grip my teeth and be okay with it but, but also i think a lot of it was not just the song placement but and i know we're talking specifically about about song placement but i think it goes along with it they okay she's forceful but she's like cheesily forceful because it's a children's like a family movie not a children's it's a family movie so when someone flirts forcefully you have you you can't make it too like an adult forceful. You have to kind of make it cheesy so that it doesn't cross the line, so that families are comfortable with their children watching it. So, the more forceful she was, the cheesier it was, and they yeah. made her very forceful. Yeah. And so I wrote in my notes: Are we supposed to like her or not like her? Like I went back and forth the whole movie. Like, is she supposed to be one that we we, we root for? Like, yes, Jeronicus, go for it. Or are we supposed to be like, stay away? She's crazy. Yeah, because you don't she, know. Because her introduction is so, is so forceful and yes. you don't get to enjoy that song. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like I didn't enjoy it because I was like, woman, leave him alone. You feel, like, you feel uncomfortable for him. Yeah. Especially with the fact that she's like, she's forcing the hug at the end. She yeah. forces. So if it had happened in the middle, like you said, and we actually have a scene we had in mind where he goes, she's the male woman. Mm -hmm. And she gets this brand new red truck. And he goes up and he's like looking at the truck and admiring it. And she's trying and she gets really frustrated because he's not giving anything back. And we've all been there. We want something from someone and they don't give it back. You get you get frustrated. And she lets and it's also Christmas Eve. And so everyone wants their package. So she's like stressed. But like that would have actually been a sweet spot for the song because the song itself is nice. It's, yeah. I want you to be happy because I love you. And that is the essence. Like, when you love someone, you want them to be happy. You want them to smile. Yeah. And that's what she wants for him. But because we got it at the beginning and we were all, like, so, like, uh, don't know about this woman at the time. And then that scene, she just gets frustrated and goes on a rant about how everyone wants packages at Christmas. And she's yeah. doing the best she can. It doesn't... It should have been flipped. Yeah, I agree. And I just... Yeah, the placement of that song in particular was really bad. And then I think Possible, all of the stuff. Possible was, was placed incorrectly. <coughs> so that was my favorite song in this movie, is the one Great with the song. little girl. Journey is the little girl. Mm -hmm. The actress that plays her does a wonderful job. Great voice. And Great voice. it's a cute song. I love it. It comes out of nowhere. It does. It should have come, what should have happened. So she's singing about how she's she could be the square root of impossible. Everything is possible if you believe in yourself, if you go for it, which I love that message, right. especially today. I think it's really easy to be downhearted about, like, well, it's not possible to do certain things, and it, I can't do it, but they can't. No, like, you can do it if you just believe and put in hard work and... Yeah. You have to work at it. It's not just belief. But anyway, love the message of the song. But if you believe in something, you will work for it because you, you believe. You believe that it's getting you somewhere. And so that 
whole, that's that could be a whole that philosophical, could be a whole philosophical discussion. discussion yes. But we believe that's what we believe, and that's why we love doing this podcast. So the song comes, and I feel like what should have happened is the grandfather. I mean, he kind of comes in and he tells her to get out of the workshop, but he doesn't tell her specifically, "You're not an inventor. You can't do this." All of that, and I kind of wish. I feel like that song would have made sense a couple scenes later and they should have had a scene of the grandpa basically or someone telling her that she can't do it because so far all she's had is support in her life. Yeah. She's never ever been told by anyone that she couldn't do inventing, that she couldn't do anything she wanted. She was called weird. Mm-hmm. Like people thought she was a little odd, but they never were like, you can't do that. They were like, you're weird that you want to do that. Yeah. But her mom encouraged her, her grandpa he tells Edison he's not an inventor, but he doesn't tell her. He just tells her to stop touching his stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that song kind of came out. Love the song, love the message. But, like, where was the motivation for her to sing that? Because no one's ever told her she couldn't do anything. Yeah. It's like she gets this big motivational oomph for no reason. And it doesn't lead to something. It also does not lead to something. That's Even, correct. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like, just a nice song, nice choreography, and then the movie just kind of continues on from there. Yeah. And then also, like we said, the beginning song, when he's talking about his struggling life, when he's not struggling, that was weird placement because it literally says he's now famous and successful. And then the song is, now we don't have to struggle anymore. <laughs> and then... Which, again, if they had explained that the struggle was he wanted to retire, yeah, but wanted something. to ensure his retirement, that would make sense. But he was still young. He still had a whole book of inventions he was working on. And he wanted to, like, he wanted, seconds after the song, he talks about wanting to invent with his daughter. And he gives mm-hmm. her a pair of goggles so that they can invent together. So, so clearly he didn't want to stop. Like, he didn't want to stop inventing. So it's just kind of like, why is this not just, like, a real, it could, it's a revolutionary toy and a live doll it could definitely change the course of inventions everywhere because it's, oh, what's the rule? There's a rule or a law or something, and I can't remember, but it's like a philosophical thing that people think it's something is impossible, and then until one person does the thing, and then mm-hmm. suddenly, like the four-minute mile, right. everyone thought it was absolutely impossible to do. And I can't remember the name of the person who first did it that we know of. I'm sure other people did it we didn't know of. First recorded person to do it, did it and after news got out that four minute mile was possible for humans now it's the norm so many athletes are able to do a four minute mile and so it's this theory that like once we see someone else do it we believe that we can do it too so it's a revolution i think it would have been better if the song had been about i'm going to revolutionize inventions more things are going to come from this more people are going to get into inventing our lives are going to be easier because people are going to think up cool things based off my invention yeah but no you say the struggle is over and but he is fine i feel like it kind of has like um a goofy movie after today like it has like that vibe (laughs) after today yeah like but the reason why that song in goofy movie works is because it's the last day of school and he has a plan to impress the girl that he wants you know like he's gonna be popular after this and but this one is literally like you're already successful and it's not after today everything will be fine it's well everything is perfect right now but now it's gonna be even better you know like i don't know so the placement of that song was weird and then there is a song so the majority of the movie is him and his granddaughter and then his daughter finally comes to pick her up her daughter 
like Christmas Eve. At Christmas Eve. And she comes a day early and they and she has a song about trying to make it work with her father and he is also singing a duet in his workshop trying to make the robot that broke work. And it's a cool song. It has some I want to not... Okay. I found it. So this if you know who Moses Hogan is, he did a lot of spiritual kind of like let my people go kind of gospel ones. I've sung a lot of his stuff. I've been in choir for a long, long time since elementary school. So I've sung a lot of Moses Hogan songs. And I love that vibe. That vibe is probably the incorrect word. But you know what I mean? That feeling, that that type of arrangement. This song has that. And so I felt it in my soul. I was like, yes, I could sing this in choir and it'd be awesome. Um, So I liked it. But it didn't match the rest of the... Which not every song in the movie has to be the same... Like kind of well, it's feeling. Not that. There's no lead up to it. But there, yeah, there's no, there's very. It little... suddenly goes to the daughter. We haven't yes. seen her since she set her daughter, her daughter off. I kind of wish either Jessica had come with Journey, <clears throat> or that we had seen some of Jessica because we go, we see Jessica send Journey off, and then we don't see her until this song. Yeah, and so even though I love the song, it's just I wish it had lead up lead up it's the same thing with possible love the song but where's the lead up and also where's the conclusion to that it should be her fixing something and making it work at the end of possible but she already made the thing work yeah so it doesn't yeah so the placement is wrong the placement of the songs is wrong <laughs> like so many of the songs whether they're good or bad or whatever the placement of them is just weird and but i love the soundtrack like i would buy this soundtrack if i didn't think about where it was in the movie and I just listened to the music, I'd buy it in a heartbeat. I would. I, I don't think it. I would. I might take Possible and maybe yeah. that last song. <laughs> I would take them all. But I don't know. I don't like um, the jazz style of like the bad guy song. And I feel like that. And I don't like, oh, yeah. I don't like big production numbers like the first song. And one of the songs in the middle that I don't remember because it's not memorable. And then the bad guy song I don't like. So it's like all of the big numbers I don't like. (laughs) But you like Possible. I like Possible. I'm trying to think of what other songs were in there. (laughs) Exactly, because they're not memorable. Well, except for the that one ladies that we wish had been with the red truck instead of at the beginning. That one is sweet if you take the context out of it, which is why it should have been moved. I kind of want to rewatch this movie because this is the first time we'd watched it and so I kind of want to rewatch it and and know that going into it because I think I would have liked it a little bit better if I had done like seeing it again (laughs) because at first I was just like what his wife is just gone (laughs) like (laughs) their family's not a family anymore (laughs) like I feel like had I gone into it like maybe watching it again I might like it more but Watching it this time, I wasn't super impressed with the music. I was, but <clears throat> to be But fair, I also really like Greatest Showman and the music and in Greatest Showman. So. And I, I'm not a huge fan of it. Yeah. Um, and I was also going to say, you and I are opposite in the fact that since I do so much music stuff, like I have been in musicals, I've done choir, I sing, that's my favorite thing. When I go to musicals, I'm there for the, for the music. Mm. The story is like cute and all, but I'm like, give me the music. I want that music. And you're opposite. You like the story more than the music. I do too. Yeah. So, okay. So that's why. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, the music could have been like better placed. It could have been this and that, but I still love it. And I 
specifically watch and wait for it once I found out it was a musical. (laughs) So I worked at a theater and we did musicals all the time and I worked with a director and he would say like dialogue and story are just filler so that the uh, characters can get in so that the actors can get into their costumes for the next musical number. Like it's just a way to get to the next musical number. I am so the opposite of that. I'm like, stop singing and get to the story. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like an in-betweener. I won't say that dialogue and story is filler. But I will say, so I'm like an in-betweener. It's not that the dialogue and story are important, but if you can have a really great song that fits and makes sense, has lead up and a conclusion, and you can have like 12 songs in a show, do it. That's like me. I yeah I like the songs and stuff but I don't like pointless musical numbers. I oh, don't I'm like okay with that too. I don't like it when they just start singing, they have a big long dance break and it just it doesn't move the story, it doesn't move the character, <clears throat> the character's growth or anything. It's just like I'm okay with there. one per show. Does that make sense? Like if they just have one kind of throwaway you need to change the set or you change costumes. <laughs> See, I'm an in-between. I'm literally <clears throat> in-between you and that director who said that because I'm like, yeah, like I can have a throwaway scene or a throwaway song for, but if it's the whole thing is throwaway, then that annoys me. But it's just, I, I really love story and I love it when a song enhances the story. I love it when a song moves the story forward or shows us a, a piece of the character that we wouldn't find otherwise. I like music to be enhancement to story not story, story stringing songs together yeah <laughs> you know? which so. is funny because isn't that what they basically did with like mama mia like they took abba's music and then just gave yeah, it there a is, story there are jukebox musicals um, yeah. is what they're called is jukebox musicals mean they take a bunch of songs that are popular on their own and string them together and just find a way to connect them mm-hmm. so if they do it properly and it's a good story i like it if they don't I just get annoyed. <laughs> like, and, and I don't know. I, I won't mention any musicals by name, but there are some musicals out there, specifically during a certain decade, where there's literally just so much singing that has absolutely nothing to do with anything. <laughs> I want to guess the decade so bad. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to start at the beginning of musicals, <laughs> the 30s. No, it's not the 30s. The 30s did that a lot. Yeah. Um but their songs were really short. And Nine, so it doesn't yeah. bother me as much. 50s? Yeah. The I 50s. thought was my second guess was the 50s. <laughs> the 50s. The 50s, they love. And the, the 50s and almost into the 60s. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of the 60s musicals, the songs were, why? Why are you just singing this? And then the last half of the 60s came. Yeah, and the yeah. last half of the 60s was good. <laughs> it was my style of musical where they... It moves the story forward. Yeah. But like the the end of the 50s, beginning of the 60s, that that chunk was like, okay, why are you even talking? There's no point in you. <laughs> like, It's literally just so that the other characters can change and the ensemble can get into their sparkly costumes. Um, I'm trying to think of my favorite. Even my favorite musical has one number that I could do without. What's your favorite musical? I love Oklahoma. I have never seen Oklahoma. But there's one number in there that I could, I'm looking back and I'm like, I could do without that number in the movie. But it does, but the thing is, it does give you insight into Lori, who's the main character. But it's mostly dance. And so maybe yeah. that's why I could do without it. <laughs> I, I, and then I had Sound of Music, but there's nothing wrong with Sound of Music. It's perfect. 
Tell us how you really feel about that one. <laughs> Julie Andrews is perfection. Um, my favorite musical is Scarlet Pimpernel. Which Ooh, that's I, a good one. The problem with that one is that it has so many. Like, it's a very long musical. And it has so many songs in it. But I love so many of the songs. I was going to say, I actually forgot about that musical. I've only seen it once and I've seen it live. But that has some of that. That is one of my top five all-time favorites. And Tarzan. Tarzan. The musical, not <laughs> the, the musical. movie. Yeah, yeah the, they're different. I do love the movie, but the musical Tarzan yeah. was my favorite. And then Scarlet Pimpernel is Little, also my favorite. <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors is also really fun. And I think the, the songs in that one move the story forward and they're fun. Because I was in that show and it's really fun. I've never seen it. <laughs> it's amazing sorry i worked at a theater and there are so many that i haven't seen that people are like what so well, i've been in theater and there's a bunch of shows i've never seen and people are so it's there's fine. just so much there's there's too many to keep up with them but That's true but jingle jangle i think it's very much in the style of greatest showman yeah. it's good but <clears throat> moving on to our next missed opportunity i think is so we kept saying that this movie was kind of like a mixture of hook if you've ever seen hook which is, if you haven't, it's a great, great, great movie starring Robin Williams. Go watch it right now. Um, but it's Peter Pan as an adult. Yes. So it's a mixture of that and, like, a little bit of Christmas Carol, a little bit of Greatest Showman, a little bit of another movie I can't remember. But because... And Meet the Robinsons. Meet is the, the Robinsons. Bad. Yes. Meet yes. the Robinsons is the bad guy story. Is Literally the bad guy story in Meet the Robinsons is the bad guy story in this. Yes. He gets tricked by an invention... Of the main characters. <laughs> to become evil. To become evil. So, they make a robot. I don't know how much we've talked about the robot, but, like, the invention that older Geronicus is working on and can't make work is this little robot called Buddy 3000. That his daughter Jessica came up with. Yes, so Jessica came up with it, <clears throat> but he's not able to make it work. Journey and Edison are able to get it to work, but he can't. But, while well, Journey and Edison, they're in his workshop... Geronicus isn't there. He does not know that they are there. And he comes, or sorry, before he comes, they get Buddy 3000 to work. And Buddy starts flying. And I'm okay with the flying robot. That's perfectly fine to me. But then Edison and Journey also start to fly. And so my question is, how does Buddy have the ability to defy gravity not only for himself, but for other people? But like random other people. Because at the end yes. of the movie... He makes Geronicus fly. And Edison. And, and then, Journey. And, and then Jessica. Edison. Yeah. Like, and Edison is standing in a group of people. And then Journey. And then Jessica. You know, like, so, like, only only those people are flying and everyone else is standing on the ground. Yeah. So and the flying happens twice. No, well, three times. Three, three times. times. Three times. Because at the very end. Yes. So in the, the frame story. The flying happens. Flying happens three times <laughs> so it happens once with journey and edison in the workshop and then geronicus comes and it stops and then it happens again near the end with first just geronicus and then a ton of people are standing around then edison and then jessica and journey and then at the very very end when we go back to the grandmother journey at this point in her life um, with her grandchildren and they fly again with the help of buddy so i'm like is buddy tinkerbell like, that's like, what it reminded yeah, me of. Yeah, like, it's very, it's very Peter Pan because, like, it's, like, he's Hook and, <clears throat> yeah. or the Peter Pan and Hook is, Peter Pan is growing up, he's forgotten, he can't, he fly. doesn't believe anymore because he can't fly because he doesn't believe. And this is, like, 
well, he can't get the robot to work to make him fly because he doesn't believe. <laughs> like, and now now he believes in Buddy so much, not only does Buddy fly, he flies. Yeah. So it's just like a little, I could have done without the flying them. Like, the flying robot is fine. But I could have done without them flying. Like, honestly, the fact that they believe enough to get the robot to work was enough belief for me. Yeah. But I think they wanted so badly to have this be a magic system where it's like their science is magic. Their math equations revolve around things like spectacular and possible and impossible. And I'm perfectly fine with that as a magic system or a science system, whichever you want to call it. I love that, in fact. I think that's a great world. But the flying was just kind of random. It didn't seem to tie in with a whole lot of the world that they had built. Yeah. Well, and they didn't put any effort into making it make sense. Yeah. Like, they didn't explain, like, what made them fly. Like, if Buddy were to hold hands and lift people up, even that would make a bit more sense. Yeah. But he doesn't hold their hands. They just fly on their own around him. I know. It's like he has, like, a tractor beam that he can, like, lift people. There you go. But it's invisible. It's an invisible (laughs) tractor beam where he can just lift and hold people. Or they invented a telekinetic robot. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, that was, it was just kind of weird. They don't really explain how the magic works and it can make you fly. For some reason. And go watch Hook if you haven't, because Hook is a great movie. <clears throat> and everyone should watch it at least once in their lives. Robin Williams as an adult Peter Pan. What is better than that? De- uh, Hoffman, what's his name? Dustin. Dustin Hoffman as Hook. You gotta see it. Yeah. Very good. Oh, and Julia Roberts is Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell. Julia Roberts Tinkerbell. I almost forgot. Um, so the next thing we wanted to talk about is so the entire plot of this story, the entire everything, the conflict of this movie could have been fixed with a conversation. This annoys Taya, it does not annoy me, so I'm gonna let her go for it. (laughs) Well the flying didn't annoy me as much, so we'll just trade off. So, okay, so literally if he would have had a conversation with Gustav, whatever his name is, Gus. Gustafsson. If he would have had a conversation with him, he could have saved, like, he'd have walked up the stairs. He could have saved himself, like, 30 years of misery. If he would have mailed, like, because his daughter comes back after that song that's weirdly placed and has no lead up. His daughter comes back and she's like, you never reached out to me. And first of all. Why does he know that his daughter or his granddaughter's name ha- is a J-U and if like... If he's never met her. If he's never met her and he's never heard about her because he says that he didn't know if his daughter wanted to reach out him to reach out to her, which means they haven't had contact. But why does he know about his granddaughter if, she's ne- if she hasn't made contact? Yeah. So that's kind of weird. I'm assuming maybe the daughter just sent like a birth announcement and that's all they have. Maybe. I don't know, but, um, but if he would have just mailed the letters, then that would have solved that problem. And if he would have just talked to Gustafson, that would have solved that problem. If he would have gone to Gustafson about the original robot, that would have solved that problem. (laughs) So, I don't know, that really bothers me. And any story and any conflict, it should be more than just a conversation to, to fix it. And I just really don't like that. Um... And I think that's all for, like, the big things that we wanted to talk about. Everything else is just kind of small stuff. Um, for one thing, 
character, um, Geronicus, sings a whole song about how important this package is that he gets, and he literally puts it on a, on like on a table in his store, and then goes out and does a giant dance number, like leaving it out in the open where anybody could take it. And then he tells everyone, everything in here goes. No one leaves empty-handed. Grab what you want on the way out. And it's, like, just there in the store for anyone to go grab. And he's like, no one leaves empty-handed. Take it. Take it all. Because we don't need it from today. Yeah. I didn't think anyone would grab this. And it's wrapped. Well, it's not wrapped. But it's, like, in a really cool case. You didn't think anyone would grab that? Yeah. And he just leaves it out. And then, same thing, he leaves his assistant with it. And he doesn't turn it off. And that leads to the whole um, doll... <clears throat> manipulating his assistant and everything like that going down. So that was kind of ridiculous on his part, and he didn't learn from his mistakes. Um, it never talks about Journey's dad. No, we don't know who, who Journey's dad is, where he is. If he's alive. If he's alive. Like, we don't know what happened. I would say it's not 100% necessary to know because there's so much... Up- other story being told but it is weird that there is I, I kind of wish there was there was a husband or a dad or something at least either mentioned or in the movie just because it does leave this weird question of where's her dad yeah and so I didn't like that they didn't even like mention it he's like now Jessica had a daughter of her own and it was just like okay but like does she not have a father <laughs> like what's going on they have a snowball fight and they're, like, everybody in town joins in. Mm-hmm. And it was really cute and sweet, and it showed a cute side of Journey and everything, and it kind of gets Geronicus out of his shell. But there's no snow on the ground except for in, like, the pockets, like, of the side. <laughs> there's, like, and the entire town is, like, throwing these giant snowballs. And... Where did they get them? W- where did the snow come from? <laughs> there's no snow on the ground. Um, they, they believed, Taya. Yeah. And then, um, so when Gustafson steals Buddy the robot, he makes up signs to announce it and he calls it the same thing and he like steals it in the same night and then Jeronicus sees a poster of it. That poster really fast. He must have an invention where posters just come out in like three seconds. Apparently. He has a 3D printer. I don't know. Um, and what the heck does the evil toy do with his life? Stares in a mirror and compliments himself. So the evil toy, the matador, the one that kind of started a lot of this off, he wanted to be the only one made. When he heard he was going to be reproduced, there was going to be like a million of them. One for Mass produced. Thank you. Mass produced. One for every child in the world. He was really unhappy. He said, I'm the only one. There's no one else like me. I want it to stay that way. So he convinces Gustafsson to steal and do all those things. And then he wants power. But all he does is, like, stare at himself in the mirror and compliment his hair and his eyes and his muscles. and Like, he does nothing else. Like, he doesn't become famous. Like, the apprentice is famous. He's not famous. Yeah, Gustafsson is famous. Like, his motive is just literally that he wants to sit in an office for 30 years admiring what he looks like. That's it. It's like Narcissus. Yeah. From Zeus. (laughs) Um... So, we'll go, like, okay, so the special effects in this movie mostly are amazing. Like, it's really good special effects. The um, the majority of the sets, the 
the character like oh, there's a lot of cgi in this movie the only time that the cgi is bad is in the tunnel yes in the very end they're stealing buddy back from gustafson and they're in this tunnel and it has a huge fan and the fan before was not moving so you could get in and out of the tunnel but the fan turns on and it's moving and there's a fire that starts as well in the warehouse and so they only have this tunnel they have to get out of it through the fan that's moving yeah and jeronicus figures out the math and the magic for it and edison builds a steering for the little cart that they're on and then it's a whole thing but the cgi of it it first of all the tunnel grows like five thousand miles while they're riding (laughs) the little thing um the little cart down it and it does like it sets it up to be shorter and then it literally just stretches it out because they're being chased by fire and the cgi for that is not well done especially compared to how incredible the cgi is for all the rest of the effects it was really really bad um my last two notes so one edison is his assistant now in the pawn shop so he's turned his um invention station into a pawn shop and Edison is still obsessed with the fact that Jeronicus was an, was an inventor and he was the best inventor in the world. But he was the best inventor in the world 30, 30 years, years ago. Why does this, like, 10-year-old kid know about him? Because a lot of other people have forgotten. Yeah. Even older people. Because there's an old lady in there and she looks at Edison kind of weird when he says that he's an inventor. Yeah. Because she only knows him as the pawn shop owner for 30 years. Also, we never meet Edison's parents and I thought... What would have raised the stakes in this movie and made more sense both for Edison to know who Jeronicus really is and to be working there would be if Edison was Miss Johnston's son, the woman who comes on really forcefully. Or even grandson or something. Or even grandson. Like some sort of relation to the woman who's in love with Jeronicus, Miss Johnston. I don't think we ever hear her first name. I think it's just Miss Johnston. That's what he calls her. Anyway, but I think Edison should have been her son or grandson or nephew, something like that. Because that would give him a reason to know who he is. It would also raise the stakes at the end, especially because Miss Johnston helps them escape from um, the warehouse. And it just would have made sense of why he's working there. I agree. I don't think they did. They didn't connect Edison very well to the situation or show Edison's background. Um and then my last one is, what is the point of the flames? So, like, in the frame story, the daughter can see magic in the flames, and she sees people dancing in the flame. And then eventually the brother sees it also. That has absolutely no premise in the rest of the movie. <laughs> like, nobody else, like, nobody else saw magic in flames. It was literally just the kids. So it's like, why? I wish they would have done something like the girl drawing with her hands or something like loving numbers or something like anything else that was that made sense in the story itself because in the frame story it's they can see magic in the flames which doesn't make sense because nobody else could see magic throughout the entire story yeah it was really weird about it was kind of like the flying but even more random because there was only one instance of it instead of three yeah so that's the end of that yeah So that is all that we have for that movie. Like I said, it's a good Christmas movie. If you don't pay too close attention to the storyline, then there's really nothing wrong with it. So this is Taya. This is Laura. Bye. Bye.